Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com. Joined by Beaver's Edge writer and KGO radio host TJ Matthewson. Also joined by recruiting analyst Dylan Callahan Crowley here for BeaversEdge.com. We're coming to you guys with an emergency Edge podcast. Dylan, TJ, and I, we cleared our Saturday schedules with the news of Oregon State head coach Jonathan Smith departing from Michigan State. Had to talk to you guys and uh, break it all down because quite a bit's happened. Uh, TJ, just since you and I saw each other at Austin Stadium last night, a lot's happened since Jonathan Smith spoke to the media last night. Uh, no decisions had been made. As it turned out, that was a bold-faced lie, but we'll get into that later. And, you know, for the most part, you know, what a whirlwind, like, week. I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts. We're going to be breaking it all down, and uh, obviously there's a lot to unpack as far as what Oregon State's future is, uh, who their next head coach is going to be, what players can be potentially entering the portal, and uh, it, it is a uneasy time for Oregon State right now, and it, you know it's uh, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting time ahead. Uh, welcome to the pod, guys. How's it going? I'll say, Brendan, I, I had a little bit more of an optimistic view about the future of Oregon State athletics before the Washington week, mm-hmm. but I would say this decision, uh, this decision, and, and how it's played out, and and just kind of the weirdness that Jonathan went around trying to be transparent well not really not really and just left a bad taste in a lot of fans mouth and eventually makes the decision uh the decision official here today on saturday uh man it just feels a lot less optimistic i'll say i mean you you thought that you'd have enough stability throughout to to maybe weather the storm of of what's coming ahead in the next couple of years it seems quite a bit less certain now uh, and I'll say, man, just what a weird atmosphere at Austin Stadium last night. I mean, oh my gosh! Not yes, even like not even getting to focus on the game really. It was I mean, so the, weird. The, like the game, the game, like the game wasn't competitive. But no, nope, it was terrible. We're, we're like we're sitting there in the press box and no one's talking about the game. I mean, nope. you and I didn't have it a conversation in- about the game. We were talking no, about it was insane. What it was insane. seemed like so what seemed like what was going to eventually happen, and you know, people had a sick feeling in their stomach when Jonathan got asked multiple times this week about this job and did not give a straight answer to it. And you, you could kind of you could kind of feel based on some of the wording, some of the decisions um, that this this was going to be. And now it sucks for everybody, and the Beavers have. What ninety six? What's the right math on there? Ninety six hours to get probably to get somebody. Like you need to hire somebody fast now. The portal yeah. opens a week from Monday. You got to keep these players on your roster, and it's just it's just a mess. And I, I my heart goes out to to Beaver fans. I mean, hosting the Colin show last night, the post game show. Some people were they're going through it a little bit. There was a lot of frustration I, yeah. of the team on the field and the decisions of the head football coach. And you know now here we are. Yeah, and Dylan, obviously, your thoughts too. You know, keeping keeping track of this from afar. Obviously, you've been connected in, and uh, really, you know, uh, more so than anybody else here in the Oregon State kind of media community. And give ourselves a little pat on the back here at Rivals because Dylan was involved with Michigan State Rivals and had this, uh, you know, nuggets kind of percolating yeah. for the better part of what a couple weeks, maybe a month. And yeah. you know, when you first mentioned it to me. A couple months back after, you know, Mel Tucker was fired unceremoniously, uh, I, I very much dismissed it because I, I, I and as I say here now, fellas, I, you know, the I, I suppose the almighty dollar speaks, but there was not a world even last night where I could tell myself that I would have thought Jonathan Smith, this would be the job that Jonathan Smith would take. Take, goes to UCLA, I have no problem with that. But going to this job at this time, 
after this season. Fellas, it feels like the Beavers took a punch from Mike Tyson, managed to not get knocked out, got up, and then, you know, Floyd Mayweather was waiting for him. Uh, yeah, sorry. I just got a I just got a text about uh, personnel stuff for uh, uh, Oregon State, which we could talk about a little bit here uh, afterwards. Don't want to share it on the pod just yet. But um, yeah, um, with the exclusive scope, folks, make sure yeah. beaversedge.com. Uh, no, yeah, you, you said it. We kind of you know brought this up about a month ago, and you and everybody else was kind of this dismissive of it, which is understandable because I'm sitting here today. I think for Michigan State. You know, as an outsider, Jonathan Smith is a great hire for Michigan State. He's a hell of a coach. There's no doubt about that. What he did at Oregon State is amazing. But, again, just a lack of connections in the Midwest. He hasn't coached further east than, what, Montana? Um, I mean, it's very interesting of why Michigan State went this way. Maybe it's just for the ability to build a program um, to be – not not to be mean, but to be the because Michigan State's the little brother in Michigan. Right. I mean, Michigan just won uh, their third straight Big right. Ten East championship moments before we got on. Um, maybe it's because of that. Maybe because it's that he does need to recruit at an elite level to develop a good team. He's a great player developer. Uh, I I don't see the fit necessarily, but it is what it is from that angle. But yeah, we've been on top of this from. Uh, day one really that that his name got brought up with the spartans um but yeah i mean i agree with both of you dj put it really well and so did you it's just i i, I feel terribly for the, the players um the yeah. fans uh the entire athletic department i mean um jonathan was supposed to be kind of that little bit of stability that the program and the university did have in the athletics and through it all he was going to be you know that guide and light the one that helped get them through it and keep the program building and now with them gone it's like it's you it it was your biggest believer and suddenly he's now elsewhere and yeah UCLA would have made sense you know he was a hometown hometown boy going back to Southern California that makes sense go out that's his recruiting area too I mean that's his MO exactly now from a recruiting standpoint um I mean can't really beat around the bush here it's 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 not gonna probably be good for Oregon State I mean we already saw one decommitment today out of Andrew Brinson uh I texted a little bit of a a couple other recruits and you know right now it's you know it's early on we're gonna consider all our options look at what happens and go from there but yeah I mean Oregon State doesn't have much time like TJ said I mean transfer portal opens in uh, a week um i don't know if they're going to have a hire in the week but i mean within a week and a half two weeks tops there has to be a hire because you have to get involved in the transfer portal rather early you only have a month there uh until right. it closes in early january and then early signing day is in uh 25 days um and i know you're not going to sign a full class by the early signing period but there, there's guys that you're going to want to keep as part of this class and uh yeah th- Beavers have to move fast, fast, fast. A lot of urgency here. And you know what else is interesting, fellas, is you know what nobody's talking about today? In three weeks, they have to play a bowl game. That really means absolutely nothing now in the grand scheme of things. Maybe not absolutely nothing. I shouldn't say that. But, like, is that even a priority right now, TJ? I mean, you, yeah. Well, who's you know, playing in the bowl game is my question. Right. So, like, which I mean, players are still going to be around to play in? So, like, 
So like last night, you know, you're talking to DJ, you're talking to Anthony, you know, there's rumors that Oregon State's finally going to get invited to the Holiday Bowl for the first time. It's most likely going to be a, well, not most likely, looking like it's going to be a potential Oregon State-Clemson matchup. Those storylines would write themselves. DJ versus Dabo, the, you know, kind of two, you know, powers colliding, so to speak. And both DJ and Anthony Gould last night were like, yeah, we, we plan to, right? I mean, it, it was something they were pretty excited about. And then now you flash forward to today, and it's all about, like you guys were saying, hiring a coach within the – like, I think you have a week. It is Saturday. I think by next Saturday you have to have someone hired because that would still give you 48 hours to, you know, I, I think back to, like, how, you know, this is just a, a very near example, recency. But, like, when Jimmy Lake got fired up at Washington – the Huskies had a ton of dudes enter the portal. Most notably, Romo Dunze, Jalen Polk, or Jalen McMillan. One of the two. Can't remember. And Kalen DeBoer comes in with Ryan Grubb and has to sit down and says, we need you guys to stay. They get him to stay and, you know, so on and so forth. So that's not to say that a new head coach can't um, come in and get guys to stay. So I think that's certainly, you know, you can't look at it from a true doom and gloom point there. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit, bit about some of the guys coming up, but like Damian Martinez has been public on social media today that, you know, again, as of now, Thursday, November 25th at 1.30 p.m., he's not interested in going to Michigan State. DJ, we'll see if that, you know, holds up ultimately. You know, again, we found out the old mighty dollar talks. So we'll see as that kind of comes to be, but that obviously would be a great starting point as Damian Martinez is one of your most sought after kind of sophomores, juniors to be, so to speak. Um, but kind of last thing on Smith before we kind of transition, start talking about the candidates uh, and then obviously talking about some guys that could be eligible for leaving. And then we'll talk to Dylan about the recruiting class and who else could maybe be, you know, potentially looking to weigh their options. With the way that this all came down and the way that you guys have kind of seen how it's unfolded on social media, how much is Jonathan Smith's legacy tarnished at Oregon State? His legacy is tarnished uh, to I would say to me, though, there are people who understand why he did what he did, you know, looking out for himself. Sure. Like what what college sports has become is really just looking out for yourself in the portal, name, image and likeness, coaches moving all around conferences and and teams and programs sure. moving all around. I mean, it's looking out for yourself and all Jonathan did was look out for himself. Nothing around him was his fault of the Beavers' conference yep. situation, the Beavers' athletic budget for next season, the lack of a TV deal. None of that is his fault. So to hold the circumstances around Jonathan Smith and then blame him, I think is wrong. I think is absolutely wrong. And I think there are plenty of Beaver fans who acknowledge that this is what Jonathan Smith had to do and that his contract at Michigan State is in a conference that gets paid a significant amount of money with a significantly higher uh, assistant pool for, for paying your assistance and all these other things that check the boxes that cannot be guaranteed at Oregon State. It cannot be guaranteed at Oregon State. Jonathan Smith is still climbing the ladder of where he wants to be in his coaching career. I mean, he's not at the top yet. Beaver fans really do love what he's done here at Oregon State, but he has not reached the top yet, and he feels like going to Michigan State can – um, can jump up another step on that ladder. There will be some, though, who have 
who have tarnished his legacy that will that will think so i'm sure we'll hear from a lot of them here over the ne- the course of this week of uh trader where's the loyalty yada 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 i it probably depends on the person brendan i believe you're one of those people uh, i wouldn't quite be one of those people because there are so many circumstances around this situation yeah. that i think are unfair to pin on jonathan smith for doing what everyone else in college football yeah. seemingly I mean, except sure. these two schools that are left in the pack two, which have done, which is look out for yourself. Sure. And I think on to that point. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, as someone who was a student at Oregon state university and remembers leaving class early in a dreary November day in 2017 to watch Jonathan Smith's introductory press conference and have Jonathan Smith stand at that podium and say, this is my dream job. This is my dream school. I'm home. And I, you know, I I think Oregon State fans probably felt that they had him lock under key with the exception of maybe just a few jobs. I mean, again, we don't even know, right? None of us got into the mind of Jonathan Smith. We all assumed that UCLA was like one of those jobs because it was Southern California. He goes home. Who knows? Maybe going back to Southern California is not what he wants to do at all. You know, maybe he's like Michigan, East Lansing's like Corvallis and there could be something to it there. The problem that I have with with his legacy is that knowing what we know now, it had a huge impact on last night. And not being able to handle your business better than he handled it this week, I think it was slightly unprofessional. I think it was Jonathan's lack of media savvy kind of coming out a little bit, not knowing what to say. And it just came across as like awkward and one foot in one foot out the door. And I just, you know, I I think kind of speaking for some Bieber fans, like going back to my point earlier, like they just would feel like how could Jonathan Smith deliver the knockout blow? Like the conference did all this. And then now Jonathan Smith's like, Hey guys, I mean, I, I, you know, that part of it, but your part is fair too. So I see both sides of it. And it's like, you know, on one token, you're absolutely right. The opportunities, the resources, it's unmatched. But at the same token, Jonathan Smith, you know, I'm going to run this analogy into the ground until someone tells me not to. You know, very much like Damian Lillard. Loyalty, 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 loyalty. Only until he wants to move on to a new situation. So, you know, maybe it's one of those things, TJ, like you said, where it has become a selfish business. You are looking out for nobody but yourself. And if that's the case, then it's a it's a dog eat dog world, I guess, in the college football. And Oregon State's got a Oregon State fans for what have to toughen up, for lack of better terms. You can easily blame the NCAA for this as well. They're the ones responsible for this calendar that all college football programs have to operate under. Where if you're sure. going to hire a head coach, it has to be like this weekend. Right. It has to be if you're going to hire a head coach, even if he has another job elsewhere. I mean, sure, it, sure. you have to interview them during the season. There is no time after the season for them to sit down and say, OK, let me just complete my year first and then I will go look for new right. jobs. Like, no, that's not an option. Right. And, you know, Dylan, from your perspective, obviously not being here and being, you know, kind of outside of the bubble and the periphery that TJ and I are in. You know, you I, I'm just curious because you've been with us for a couple of years now and you've seen you know, Jonathan Smith take, I believe when you came in, what was, you know, a seven win team and improve yeah. it and get better each and every year. Um, obviously you're not here and, and don't like, you know, live it like, you know, those who have, you know, 
Like I, right now I'm speaking to those Beaver fans who oh. watched Jonathan Smith as a player, right? 20 some years ago, take him the Fiesta Bowl, him come back and then start now start to have success. And I mean, you know, fellas, just talking to some Oregon State fans both last week in uh, Brewster Stadium after the Husky game and then this last week at Austin Stadium, like he was the type of person, guys, that like Oregon State referred to, he was their golden boy for lack of better terms. And it wasn't a stretch to think like, yeah, Oregon State would like build a statue of that guy. That's how much he was beloved in Corvallis. And I think that absoluteness and then the way it was handled, like I, I just think, I think it's a lot of raw emotion right now, but just from everything that I've seen this morning and I've seen a lot, uh, you know, there are some Beaver fans who are definitely pretty fired up. Dylan, I'm just curious what your perspective is, you know, from the national side and, uh, obviously, you covered, you know, what the higher you think it is for Michigan State and how the fit isn't maybe perfect, but just purely from, you know, Oregon State's perspective, how do you think Jonathan Smith will be remembered five years down the line, 10 years down the line in Oregon State lore? Uh, I think it depends on the success of this next head coach. Yeah. I think if, if we're sitting here in five, 10 years and Oregon State is um, – wherever they may be in the college football world, if they're one of the top programs in that tier, that wherever they land, uh, I think he's looked as a guy, you know, who set the foundation for Oregon state to become that next level program, which I still think there is that ability. And for all the uncertainties that surround this program from an outside perspective, I also see as, you know, yeah, I, they, they're going to, probably end up in some type of weird mix of man of west them and yeah. you know, washington state whatever it may be but there's that opportunity that they can become the premier program of that conference and you know have great success for a long time and i think there is that i think that could draw in some coaches yes the uncertainty is surely uh something that will hurt them in this coaching search but i still think there there's that possibility if it all goes well he's somebody who set that foundation if right. it if it goes poorly people are going to look back on it you know very negatively they're going to uh you know say he it could have been something great but him leaving the way he did and that entire process stunted the growth of the program and set the program back to where it was you know before he uh came to corvallis or came back to corvallis I'll say this, Dylan, you're on the right track. I don't think there could be enough damage done this offseason to be as bad as it was when Jonathan arrived. And that's, that's where that's fair. That's fair. That's where that's where coming full circle and back to TJ's point, TJ, where I'm saying I see both sides of this. I have the frustration of him leaving because of uh, there are numerous reasons in my head where I, I can't understand it. Right. And that's fine. Yeah. But at the same token, I also have, you know, you know, reasons flipped. And it's like you also have to objectively look and go Oregon state outside of Kansas was the worst power five yeah. job in America in 2017. It was pitiful what yeah. Gary Anderson left behind again, no disrespect to the guys that were on that squad, but it was like Isaiah Hodgins and a whole bunch of dudes. Right. So, you know, it's um, you know, that, that part and the fact that Jonathan Smith, other than, when Mike Riley, um, his first tenure, pulled Oregon State out of, you know, the pits when they had twenty 
Oh gosh, I get this get this dropped every time. Either twenty nine. Yeah, 29 straight years of losing. Thank you, TJ. I always seem to forget. But, hey, in my defense, it was before I was born. So, you know, fair to fair. But, uh, you know, when Mike Riley did to pull them out of it, I mean, you fellas, you think about that now, almost 30 years of losing seasons, like that is unbelievable to think about. And that's where you have to realize that, like, historically, Oregon State has not been a great football program. They don't necessarily have the football legacy outside of, you know, the modern era, which I like to say 2000s on and, you know, some some glory years in the 60s, the giant killer years, all that. But 70s, the 90s was was pretty rough. And, you know, I think even if worst case scenario happens, and we mentioned earlier in the podcast that we think right now and all indications are that Damian Martinez will come back. And I think that's a, a, a huge jumping off point because I do – think that in this case outside of maybe a few select guys this could be a if one stays a lot stay and now granted do I think that someone like Aiden Childs who came to Oregon State for Jonathan Smith and no other reason than Jonathan Smith if his family can tolerate commuting to Michigan that would be one that I'd be concerned about right off the bat. And, you know, I mean, we haven't seen much from Aiden Childs other than an emoji on social media with the, with the glasses uh, so far this morning. So read into that what you will, but I think he's kind of one of the bigger names since Damian Martinez appears to be kind of shutting that down on social media, so to speak. Um, You know, there's obviously opportunities elsewhere. You know, there could be, you know, guys on defense, you know, someone like, Easton Mascarenas could maybe be in that mix too, or, you know, anybody it's, it's, it's completely just foolhardy to throw out names because you don't know how many guys Jonathan could look to take. Could it be a Dion situation guys where he walks into Michigan state? It's like, I don't want any of you and tries to bring over almost all of his Oregon state team. So, you know, that part of it is, you know, I, I think still kind of to be had, so to speak, but, you know, overall, I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how the player movement now happens. Um, obviously, not much will change before the portal. Guys might have decisions in their head, but they obviously can't announce until the portal opens. More in the interim, Dylan, over to you. Yeah. Andrew Brinson was the first to decommit today. Right now, give me an over-under. If you were to predict just before they hire their next head coach, how many more commitments they could lose? Give me right. a number. So, are we counting? Are we counting Brinson in this yeah, over-under? We'll, 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 we'll count Brinson. Yeah. All right. So th- they had fourteen commitment, fifteen commitments for Brinson. Um, I'll say over/under um, four and a half. I, I think five is probably a solid guess. I, I, I think they're going to be able to keep a couple of these guys. Um, but I, I think they'll definitely lose some. I think the guys who are a little further away from campus are going to probably reconsider their options. But like it, it's hard because like a, a Brandon Tolis, a, a Makai Frazier, um, I, I think that's all comes down to who's the RB coach in the couple right. weeks. Sure, if Keith that's a good point. Stay, if Keith stays around, there's very few running backs coaches who are better that. Uh, they had offers from that they could go to. Um, right. Brinson, you look at Brinson, it sucks to say for Oregon State, but he had plenty of good offers on his offer he sheet. And he's, he I'm sure he'll pick some up. And I know um, they've, they're, he, he has interest in going to Michigan State to follow Smith if possible. So we'll see if that happens. But um, yeah, I think 
four and a half. We'll say four and a half right. uh, for the over under. The, the name that I and I'm curious if you feel the same way, Dylan. The name that I'm keeping an eye on because we've you know again a lot of rumors at this point. Nothing yep. absolutely you know truth. But, you know, if we, we've seen reports that Jonathan will try to take some of his, you know, assistance with him. And if I were to, you know, guess at this point that, you know, Jim Mahalchuk would be in that mix. You know, Brian Wozniak would be in that mix. Uh, Trent Bray will get yeah. to him and the coaching candidate shortly would be in that mix, uh, amongst others. I mean, I think about like Blue Adams and Anthony Perkins, who have done a great job in that secondary, right. um, you know, and, and they're obviously a part of it, too. But, um, it, you know, it is. The, yeah, it is, worth, it is worth knowing that I I believe it has been um, reported by uh, our our sister site, Spartans Illustrated, or another Michigan State source that Harlan Barnett um, is likely to be retained by uh, Jonathan, uh, which he is the uh, he was the secondary coach for the Spartans before becoming okay. the interim head coach there. So uh, interesting. That's a, okay. So that's an interesting part with Blue and Anthony Perkins to an extent. Um, but yeah, I'm curious, the one name that I would watch right away, uh, Dylan, to put in that mix, Peyton Stewart and why, because, well, he strikes me as someone who is a very much Mahal guy and coincidentally, folks, you'll remember Peyton Stewart wanted to play in the big 10 and was committed to Northwestern before their disaster. Peyton Stewart was probably, you know, I mean, I think Oregon state's offensive line class this year is very deep. Uh, but I think he had a case to be arguably, you know, the highest ceiling of anybody with, you know, his size and height and everything. And, you yes. know, he's a guy that I like right away I came to mind as someone who, who could be watching out, but we'll right. obviously, you know, be looking into it again, make sure to stay locked to Dylan and I, uh, at beaversedge.com as we'll be, you know, keeping a good pulse I, on the recruits. Uh, Dylan, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think the offensive, the offensive line recruits, especially as a whole are probably ones that we'll be watching closely because uh, if uh, he does leave for Michigan State or another job, that I think it's going to be hard to retain those, especially somebody like Rustin Young, who already picked up right. offers from like Auburn recently. That could be somebody I can easily see uh, Smith and um, Jaws. Like if he goes to uh, Michigan State trying to take over Young, uh, one of the top off, uh, very well could be one of the top right. offensive linemen in the country in this next update. But somebody who's really, from what I've heard, Grab the attention of staffs across the country this fall down there in yeah. Hawaii too. So uh, interesting. That would be rough for sure. Yeah, like I said, I think I, you know, again, for, I, uh, we wrote about it in our uh, V one of our coaching hot board that's live at beaversedge.com. Uh, you can uh, check out that story. We got an awesome deal going right now. You can get a uh, full year subscription, seventy five percent off for uh, first time subscribers. Uh, it's a great deal getting uh, rivals for an entire year for that much of a discount, and then you get to read all of our stuff as we uh, preview and look at all these, uh, you know, this coaching search and everything that goes with it. And yeah. you know, um, Dylan, you know, like I said, you know, top to bottom, there will be staff changes on this team there'll be new faces brought in obviously a new head coach um we'll go ahead and wrap up the pod again thanks to everyone for tuning into this emergency edition of the edge podcast uh brendan slaughter joined by tj matthewson and dylan callahan crowley let's talk a little bit about and tease some of those names uh on that coaching hot board dylan you and i have been hard at work since the wee hours this morning uh getting names together and uh ultimately uh drafting our first uh, version of the hot board some intriguing names and some guys that 
um, you know, just from my perspective, I'd be very excited uh, if Oregon State could land. Uh, let's go ahead and we're going to talk about a couple of them. Again, make sure to check out the full list at beaversedge.com. Let's go ahead and start with the one that I think is at the top of everybody's mind. And the one for me right now, it is a no-brainer. You offer it to him and you don't interview – well, I think there are laws around that. I was going to say you don't interview anybody else, but I think you have to interview, you know, a certain number of candidates, so to speak, for a position, leave it open for all that, you know, all the hiring processes. Yeah. But I think if Bray, Trent Bray wants the job, the conversation stops and finishes there. I think, you know, he he's our number one candidate on the Beaver's Edge board because I think he's got the charisma and the, you know – energy and the personality to be a very good and effective head coach and especially a defensive minded one. Um, I think the challenge would appeal to him. I think he, you know, you know, Trent Bray is like someone like, you know, he's, you know, you, you know, TJ seen at practice. He's like, Hey, you know, I'm going to run faster than my players. I'm a little crazy. Like Trent Bray is, you know, yeah. he's a, a little like intense. And I mean that in the very mm-hmm. best way. Um, and I think he could certainly uh, handle the duties of being a head coach and, Given that he's an alumni, a, Mm -hmm. you know, bona fide alumni with, you know, I'm pretty sure Trent Bray is still one of the, if not the all-time leading linebacker, tackler, you know, right there near the top. Um, His dad was, you know, Oregon State's defensive coordinator when they went on their miracle runs under, you know, not miracle, but sensational runs under Dennis Erickson in 2000. And, you know, he has deep ties to the university and perhaps most importantly, TJ and Dylan, I, I, I'm curious because I can't remember if you um, were super uh, in the loop with us last year when this was all coming down. But TJ, you know where I'm going with this. Last year when we talked to Trent Bray shortly after he got his contract extension from Oregon State when he was starting to get, you know, interest from others. And Trent Bray said, money does not motivate me. It does not motivate me. I love Corvallis. And to be perfectly honest, given that we never heard Jonathan say money doesn't motivate him, maybe that maybe that's the, the ace in Oregon State's hole here, TJ, is to – and I think I was telling you this last night, like best-case scenario, I mean, there, it, it could work the other way. Trent Bray is not obviously a mm-hmm. head coach, but best-case scenario – hasn't been a head coach before. Best-case scenario, uh, you know, you're Utah, and Jonathan Smith is your Urban Meyer, and Trent Bray is your Kyle Whittingham. Yeah, it, so that could be it. Uh, when when Trent says money doesn't matter, I'd like to see that scenario play out where he is not a candidate for a head to be a head coach. He has the option between staying in Corvallis for eight hundred and twenty five thousand, which is his current salary, or he sure. could probably get offered if Jonathan really wants him up to two million dollars at Michigan State. Like, he would make that, more. That, he would make he would make more than that as a head coach, at Oregon State, though. I know. I know he would. But like, let's just like put it flat out like money doesn't matter because if he's head coach at Oregon State, you're right. He would get paid more money. In which case, does the money matter? Yeah, because he's making more money. Sure, he's got more to do. But uh, I would say the money matters in that case. Uh, Yeah, I think this is a a, a slam dunk. I mean, he he's very football focused. I I remember uh, asking him about like he's he's been asked, like, what other things he does? And he's like, no pretty much just like focus on football like all the yeah. time. And that's what he'd get yeah. to do at, here at Oregon State. I think it would have the best shot of keeping some of these guys, especially on the defensive side of the football here in Corvallis. And, you know, these it comes right off the Jonathan tree of of an, uh, hiring an alum and, and saying right. it, you loved playing here. You loved uh, you, you love coaching here. You love Corvallis. And hopefully 
with all the uncertainty that's going on out there that you would want to stay here regardless because you care about this place that much. So that, I think that's a, that's a slam dunk. The money would have to work out. What You'd probably have to get them over sure. $3 million to really make a difference which, for yeah which is still two and a half less than yeah. John or two two ish i think jonathan's about five uh dylan yeah. real quick just from your perspective being the uh, the outside looking at trent bray do you think he's worth the risk as far as a coordinator who's never been a head coach simply for the fact that tj mentioned i don't think anybody on this list could help you stop the bleeding more so than bray and you really could kind of coast and probably have minimal deflections you don't know how he's going to be as a head coach but you probably would keep the keep the gang together for lack of better terms no yeah and i think that's the big part here is it it would probably be the best chance at stopping the bleeding like you said it would be the best chance to keep the majority of the roster together especially the defensive side of the ball which you know defense wins championships as long as Oregon State can have a great defense the offense can be a little bit of a work in progress. Now you don't want it to be Iowa per se, but as long as the offense can have some sort of life beat, you have a chance. Yeah. I think Bray would be a, you know, it would be maybe uh, the sexiest of hires per se, but it, it would be a hire that, like you said, can keep the continuity in the, within the program. It can help stop that bleeding. And I think it could also help keep most of the staff together. You're probably still going to lose some guys to Michigan state, but I think you'd be able to retain a large chunk of those guys as well. But I mean, the whole first year, you know, first time head coach thing, I don't think should be necessarily a too big of a factor here. Do you want somebody with head coaching experience? Sure. But some of the guys we have on our list, some of the more excited names would be first time head coaches. I, we don't want right. to go through all of them, but again, a name that we have on there, which I don't think he gets the job, but is an excited name would be Brennan Marion, the offense coordinator at uh, UNLV. Um, you know, now I got is a fast rising coach going to be a head coach if not this offseason, next offseason. Um, but if you're Oregon State, maybe that's a hire you go to because he brings right. you know an exciting offense, he brings uh a, a new era, a new breath almost to the program. Not it kind of freshens things up a little bit. Um, but you're gonna risk losing some players, you're gonna risk losing staffers, so. It is tough, but I think Bray would be a fine hire, even if it's not, you know, maybe the biggest hire in the world for Oregon State out of the list that we made. And again, make sure to check out that list at beaversedge.com. That'll go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Edge Podcast. Big thanks to Dylan Callahan Crowley and TJ Matthewson for jumping on. Again, that whole list is available at beaversedge.com. We gave in-depth breakdowns on each candidate, so make sure to check that out. Thanks for watching.